Kia ora, this is Matthew Cutler-Welsh of Homestyle Green and this is the second episode of my series Build Aotearoa. In March 2023, passive house designer, homestar trainer and certified passive house owner himself, Joe Live, published a comparison of Homestar V5 Passive House and MB's proposed building for climate change framework. This is a really useful summary of these main three standards. There are other standards and brands out there, but these are the most relevant for new homes in Aotearoa, except of course for the main one, the New Zealand Building Code. At the time of writing, there are over 8,500 certified Homestar homes in Aotearoa. The scheme is well established and well recognised, with many leading builders around the country currently working through the details of how to achieve ratings under the new Homestar V5 standard, which is a significant jump up in performance and some of the requirements for Homestar V4. Passive House in its current form has been around internationally for nearly four decades now but present in New Zealand since around 2010, with the first Australasian certification being completed here in Auckland in 2012. Certified passive houses in New Zealand now number in the hundreds, and for the best catalogue of certified projects, check out Jason Quinn's Library of Projects on Sustainable Engineering. To put these numbers into perspective, there are now around 40,000 consent applications for homes each year in New Zealand. There has been some fluctuation of this over the last few years, but the order of magnitude is relevant. So the market uptake of Homestar is particularly encouraging. The 8,500 certified homes have not occurred evenly since the voluntary scheme was launched in 2011. There's been a big uptick in recent years. We can assume a current rate of around 5,000 Homestar registrations per year. Add to that a handful of passive house projects, that still leaves more than 80% of new homes in New Zealand that are only relying on the building code as a standard of compliance. And I use the term compliance here carefully because the building code, in my opinion, is not a standard of quality for two reasons. Number one, there are fundamental gaps in what the New Zealand Building Code covers. And number two, the performance thresholds in numerous clauses of the code are not adequate to achieve the purpose of the code. Like many acts and laws, the Building Act has good intentions. The purpose and principles of the Building Act sound great. I'll just read out from Section 3 of the New Zealand Building Act 2004. Purpose and Principles This Act has the following purposes. A. To provide for the regulation of building work, the establishment of a licensing regime for building practitioners, and the setting of performance standards for buildings to ensure that 1. People who use buildings can do so safely and without endangering their health. And 2. Buildings have attributes that contribute appropriately to the health physical independence and well-being of the people who use them. And number three, people who use a building can escape from the building if it's on fire. And four, 
Buildings are designed, constructed and able to be used in ways that promote sustainable development. Part B, to promote the accountability of owners, designers, builders and building consent authorities who have responsibilities for ensuring that building work complies with the building code. That all sounds great. The devil, however, as they say, is in the detail, or in this case, the lack of it. Now, much has been written about the impact of poor housing on the health of New Zealanders. We have one of the highest rates of asthma in the world. We also have a high prevalence of mould in our homes. A case can be made that recent updates to the code have improved the likelihood of providing homes safely without endangering health, but this outcome is far from guaranteed. And as for residential buildings that promote sustainable development, I don't know of any clauses that address this. The most significant deficiency of the building code that I'm concerned with are, well, there are three of them. Number one, inadequate ventilation. Compliance with clause G4, ventilation, is currently achieved simply by having some windows that open. This is proven to not be adequate even if those windows were opened and we know from use cases, uh, building densities and people, uh, just the way households are these days that we just don't open windows enough. Number two, moisture control. Thanks to leaky buildings and the crisis that ensued and is still being dealt with, designers, builders and consenting authorities are very sensitive to moisture getting into buildings from the outside. This is addressed pretty well in the clause E2, external moisture. But E2 also has a smaller, often neglected sibling, E3, internal moisture. And E3, or lack of our attention to it, is quietly causing untold hidden problems in many of our buildings. And thirdly, overheating. And what may surprise many soon-to-be homeowners is that the building code is completely silent on the risk of overheating. This isn't a new problem, but it's certainly one that's getting worse. So these three reasons should be enough to justify the use of Homestar for the significant investment that is the designing, consenting, construction and finishing of any new home. We're talking close to a million dollars per dwelling, so it's the kind of thing that makes sense to get right. And the point here is that the building code isn't necessarily going to help you get it right. Everyone, though, wants to know about the cost, and it's a reasonable consideration when budgeting for a new home or a major refurbishment. The question is usually framed around the assumed uplift in cost to achieve a higher standard of performance over that which is required purely for building code compliance. But I think a more useful frame of reference is to ask what the operating costs will be, what are the health concerns, and what will the dissatisfaction likely be from having a compliant but hot, stuffy and damp home in the future. These are issues that I'd like to explore and explain in more detail in the future. So I think Joe Lythe was correct to include 
MB's Building for Climate Change framework in his comparison a year ago because it provides a pathway to how we could achieve these levels of performance in line with the purposes and principles of the Building Act. It could even include that bit about sustainable development. But with a new government in place, the implementation of the framework is uncertain. So in the meantime, and in my albeit biased mind, this increases the value of proven standards like Passive House and Homestar that take performance beyond the minimum or missing requirements of the building code. Interested in your thoughts? You can reach out to me, Matthew, at homestylegreen.com. I look forward to bringing you more and discussing these issues in future episodes here on the feed. And also check out homestylegreen.com.